Spain coming up. I bet you're very excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Viva España. You're going to be doing uh, we, well, the first thing Quisiera you should... Quisiera por favor. <laughs> Para you usted. have to learn more Spanish than I that. I know more Spanish than that. Do you? But that's the only important Spanish. That's the, well, you don't really use it anyway. The, the only thing I ever see of you is your feet up <laughs> with a beer in hand. That's yep. usually what goes around the Facebook group that, yep. that we're a member of. Yeah. Will you be um, posting, hopefully, in the, the new Facebook group as yes. well, the, the FujiCast Facebook group? Yes, FujiCast Facebook group. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we want loads of you in there, by the way. We, loads of you. We have, come on, um, come on. We have somewhere to share selfies of us and... Yeah. And you can share your selfies, <laughs> but uh, within reason, obviously. <laughs> Be cautious. Yeah, yeah we so, could do a bit behind the scenes in the studio. We well, could do behind the scenes in the Spanish joint as well, because I, yeah. I've, I've never seen the behind the scenes thing at your place in mm-hmm. Spain. I will. So this uh, so this, this summer, the sound will be slightly different. Uh, it'll give me a chance to really work with a deep microphone here and... Kevin can have the the tinny one over in Spain, mm. um, but you're going to take uh, my my blue ball or something. <laughs> I am. I, I, I'd rather take your blue ball on your red ball. That's for sure. <laughs> From um, a couple of weeks ago, it was red. Yeah. Now, now <laughs> I will take your blue ball. It's calmed down a lot, and uh, you, you, you're going to be doing the uh, the show through. That's a microphone, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be doing the show from from your your base in Spain. I think it's going to be quite fun. That yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Well, mostly I can't wait for the holiday. The rest of it is just yeah. I, I don't I don't think really it's the Fuji cast that you're waiting. The Fuji cast. <laughs> Right. This week, thank you to our friends, as always, at Simpler Straps for letting us give away a simpler camera strap each to our favourite email questions of the week. Great thing about Simpler is that they are proportioned. They're made for the kind of cameras what we like here. Um, so, yeah, max function, I said, minimal bulk, uh, quick adjusting, non-metal hardware that won't scratch your camera. It will, obviously, um, Kevin's cameras will always be scratched because he just throws them into a bag. It has nothing to do with the, the, the camera strap of choice. Mm. Um, but if you'd like to go to simpler.us, you can see what these thing, things look like. S-I-M-P-L-R, simpler. US. Uh, there's also your questions. Keep sending those in, please. Do not um, send them, please, through the the, face, the new Facebook group. Send them by email, please. Click at fujicast.co.uk. That's not to say, as you will notice, that occasionally we'll see things in that group and mention them on the show, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an open conversation. It's just we can't, you know, maybe we'll pick stuff up in the Facebook group. We can't guarantee that we, well, we can't guarantee anything, really. But it's all to do with this amazing system we have about the questions. They have to come through click at fujicast.co.uk. Now, Kevin's got a shoot on this afternoon, so we, we, we've, we've, got to, we've got to get straight to your questions. Okay. Um, you're going to go first. I'm going to go first. And you, yeah, no, Kevin, oh, it should be noted, by the way, that we are now on the paperless system. Kevin yes. is reading all his off the uh, the screen. I've Save just got the a trees. few more paper ones. Save, Save the, the trees. trees. Yeah. So this is Alan Gump. Good I, old Alan. I can't believe you've chosen Alan Gump Yay. as your first paperless one. Alan, yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> uh, greetings, Kevin and Neil. Terrific show, as always. Loved the discussion with Gemma in 19 and Sam in 20. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Looking for... I put that in. I said and I Sam in said 20 that. because yeah. I, I, I thought uh, this probably came in before Sam's aired. It, it, but then then, did, yeah, but then did. actually, see, I was being kind. And then yeah. actually he says, looking forward to hearing Sam. So you may not have liked it at all. In the next one. Yeah. Um, did so you like that show, Hopefully Alan? you did, Alan. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one's for Neil. Anyway, oh, is it? <laughs> I picked a question for you. Okay. I have watched all your films on Breathe Pictures. Fabulous work. Superb construction. And I beg you That's to... what my wife says. Uh, and I beg you to open your kimono <laughs> and share, <laughs> share She doesn't the, say that. Share with us the technical <laughs> details of how you go about uh, putting together the finished piece. Take the sculptor, your 
five and a half minute film on uh, Johan von Strum. Johannes von Strum. Johannes von Strum. Strum. Sorry. Can you please walk us through mm. your process, start to finish, audio recording, films, cuts, splices, etc. I have read that twenty four or twenty five frames per second is more cinematic yeah, yeah, than yeah, thirty yeah, frames yeah. per second. <laughs> please comment on your format. Inspired by your excellent work, I'm just dropping uh, dipping my tail into the video waters with my Fujifilm XE three, which is a great film camera actually, the first of the four K breed really, yeah. and a roadie, a roadie, road a video road. mic. <laughs> Uh, recorder uh, we'd like to do short five to eight minute films on some of our unique community members I appreciate whatever you can share in this forum as the topic is huge obviously many thanks yeah that's quite a big subject yeah yeah well well, now you're not you're not going to like the first thing I'm going to say by the way because the um, Johannes von Stumm one was um, the sculptor was filmed on a Canon, not a Fujifilm. Well, not that it matters because we keep saying this is this is not just for Fujifilm lovers. This this whole podcast is for people who love photography. Yeah, absolutely. And but the technique mm. would have been the same. The frames per second you sh- show, yeah, yeah, you yeah. splices, you cut. So that was recorded on a Canon C100, the the original C100 camera, and it was shot at I think it would have been twenty four frames a second then. And uh, and the great thing about that camera, it, cinema cameras, is that, of course, you can send your audio feed direct into the camera. So that is obviously uh, an advantage. Um, and that's the way that was done. It was all filmed in um, available light and because it was a workshop. And, of course, you know, the advantage here with Alan that he's actually seen that film um, it was an incredible place to film in because it had this lovely diffused light. That's uh, a beautiful film. It was coming in from, um, well, the windows were all diffused. I think he has them diffused so he can't see into the workshop. Right. And so it was almost like somebody, it was a sunny day, and somebody put on this beautiful light box. And so therefore you get all these, I love these brown tones you get in films. I love yeah. that. It's very cinematic. I yeah. like that. And I often now grade toward that as well. So uh, I tend to introduce a bit more green. And, uh, and and a bit more yellow on the basic and the first bit of colour grading. And then you get these more browny kind of um, hues that I, I really like in so cinematography. So that was, what, five minutes? Five-minute five, film? Yeah, it was around about, yeah. Um, Alan's right. About uh, how much footage do you think you recorded? Uh, no, I didn't overshoot that. I spent the whole afternoon with him. And um, I think I was struggling toward the end to have the right footage that I needed. Okay. Um, and that won a, an award, actually. I won an award at Leicester Square with that one. Did you? At, at a film festival. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> bloody hell. You're so good at everything. I, no, not at all. I, came, well, I was quite surprised because um, I went with our friend Phil, um, Phil Payne, who uh, used to be a cameraman and engineer for ABC. Hmm. And uh, he he was the one. He's the said, one what stole the microphone. Yeah, he's the one what stole the microphone, <laughs> geezer. And yes, he told me to uh, to enter this competition. I entered with the sculptor, and um, I remember them um, coming down to the, the the final five, and uh, and my name wasn't mentioned at five and four, and I thought, you know, it, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be. I mean, the cinema was full of people who'd entered, and uh, got to three, and I thought. Well, if ever I was going to win something, it would have been third. And, um, you know, at the most, at the most. And then second, I got second. I couldn't believe they read out my little name and I went up and I thought, I can't believe it. Wow. Did they play it on the big screen? Mm, they did. Played it on the big screen. Wow. Which, which was just at the Curzon or something? Uh, yeah, um, something like that. It wasn't the Curzon. Um, I can't remember the one that it was. But um, actually, a, a 24 frames a second um, film shot in a, a C100 which uh, works with the uh, AVCHD um, mm, codec. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have thought that would have blown up beautifully on a on a proper cinematic screen, mm. and, and it did. Uh, what did you What did you win? 
Um, I won the Da Vinci uh, suite for grading. Wow. Because that's like four and a half grand, isn't it? It was quite a lot of money then. It's yeah. less now. Yeah. And now, now I, I don't grade using it anymore, though. No. I grade using the Premiere tools now. Oh, well done you. Um, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And I've won f- all since then. Um, so <laughs> you're the winner in this team. In our marriage, Kev, you're the winner, not me. But um, to go back to, to um, that question, I mean, uh, chosen frame rates, I think we're both the same, 25 frames a second. I know people say 24, but really, can you tell the difference? Um, I, I always do 25. Always 25. Yeah. Um, and uh, everything now so. is shot with the X-T3. Mm. Um, I use 200, uh, you can select 200 megabits a second. Yeah. That's a pretty you high can, quality. You can go to 400 megabits a second. You can go to 400, it's overkill, I think. I can't, can't see a reason for doing that. Not for me, not for the sort no. of stuff I do. No, 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 no. And uh, there was a really interesting tip on the Peter McKinnon um, thing, two mentions in two weeks. Did you, um, I don't know if you saw this film, he was talking about his 17-9 ratio choice and of course you can shoot 17.9 coming out the xt3 which is brilliant mm. um that he now um puts everything um into his 4k timeline he puts hd this is going to sound weird he puts hd into a 4k timeline then he upscales mm. the hd now you might think well that's going to pull this film apart like like nobody's business but actually because of the way compression works with youtube when um, it's all sent down the sausage factory line to YouTube, um, it looks cleaner and and um, and sharper. What than just native 4K? Than just native 4, 4K, uh, or 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 just uploading it as HD. So he upscales the HD into 4K and then squeezes that down the line. And something happens with the compression at YouTube, which makes it... Now, I don't understand this. Somebody could explain this, please. I think YouTube converts it all to H.265 codec. Does it? So it just makes Ah. it a lot smaller, um, I think. Well, you can record in 264. Like so why would upscaling from HD to 4K I, I, fo- um, timeline... Don't understand that. Footage, why why uh, would that... I, I really don't know what that is. I mean, he obviously knows a lot yeah. more about it than Alan us. Gump's a fact-checker. He can yeah. tell me, actually. He can answer this question. But it's... I know Magic Bullet... I use the Magic Bullet suite for some of my editing stuff, mm. and they have an upscaler, which does an amazing job of upscaling yeah. HD to 4K. Yeah. Because um, you can do it in Premiere Pro, and it's just not... not I don't think it's particularly good. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so... Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I thought that was yeah interesting. But you know, you you can shoot two six five codec on the XT three. Yeah. Now the, the editing side, time on that is humongous. Well, no, I didn't think. I mean, you need a pretty beefy computer yeah. for sure, uh, and I have a very beefy computer for you sure. Know, you've got a big one. I didn't notice. It didn't have an issue. <laughs> I had to I had to download a new codec for editing. Yeah. Um, but I did a um, three minute clip. And it was shot at H two six five sixty frames per second. H two six five for four hundred bits per second, uh, megabits per second. Yeah. I basically pushed it as much as it could go. Yeah, um, sixty frames per second. Remember, the only XT three is the only camera that can do that. I think at the minute. Yep. Um, and the equivalent, right? When I'm shooting normal three minute stuff in normal regular two six four and um, uh, kind of four K, that would be. I don't know, maybe two and a half gigabytes worth of data, right? Uh, or the file, the, fi- the the outputted mm. film would be two and a half gigabytes. The two six five one 
was 95 megabytes. Oh, right. Oh, really? 95 megabytes. Tiny. That's what I sent to YouTube. So on my YouTube channel, there's a film called um, London Nightlife or something. It's just, it's basically demoing right. frame, uh, 60 frames per second on the XT3. Oh, I remember that film. The, yeah. file, the file that I sent to YouTube that yeah. Premiere Pro spat out was 95 megabytes, uploaded it's, in four seconds. It's tiny. Yeah. Whereas normally I wait an hour or so for my film to upload to YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, and that's the benefit you see the file size at one side at one, one end it's a slower edit but the other mm. end it's a file size benefit but it's not it's only a slower edit because of the hardware it's mm. you know and you, you need to install the right codec and stuff now this is perhaps a question for Pal Schultz Pal Schultz Pale Pale Schultz but I've been converting now and this is um, this is something I, I was told to do with footage that comes out the, the codex of the um, of the Fuji X-T3 I'm converting now to ProRes 422, and uh, I'm editing. Now, I'm, admittedly, I'm using a Mac, okay. Premiere, although, wasn't written for dealing with, uh, with uh, ProRes. I mean, ProRes was al- always something that was there for Final Cut, really. So you, you con- you're converting that codec in, in Premiere Pro? Yes, I am. You're using that codec yeah, in yeah. Premiere Pro? Yeah, yeah. So I convert to, to ProRes 422. And then um, I edit using ProRes, and the, 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 the speed is just... Is, is but it's it's um, knife through a butter compared to just editing the footage that comes direct as my file from from the camera, which is what codec is that? In? Which will be MP4, won't it? MPG, MP, MPG, MPG miles per gallon. MP4. Mm. So I just thought that was that was it was a bit of advice I received online, and I thought mm, I'll try that, and it works. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay. okay. Especially when you're working with um, Pluralize. And uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff with Pluralize of late. I've just written that down. ProRes 422. Right. All right, you'll go. Oof, my mind is dead after that. Um, Ian Summerscales. Hi, guys. Uh, great show. Love the banter and genuine friendship. Blah, blah, blah. You clearly share. Um, you both talked about inspiring photographers that have influenced your careers in a number of the sh- a number of the shows, be it Jeff Askoff or Don McCullin. But my question is, do you look at people outside of photography for inspiration, like say Sean Tucker did in that episode? I think it was episode was it nine? Was it all the? No, it can't have been. It was way back. Yeah. Uh, well, Sean, he did say he looked at um, and, and studies the work of film directors. And if you do, who, for you guys, do you use other mediums other than audio for Neil and his love, love of all things microphone to spark your creativity and possibly develop your eye for seeing and composition? Keep up the good work uh, with regards, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Really good question, that. Do you want to go first on that? Is there, um, I, did, I mean, I've slightly cheated by writing down a couple of mine. Yeah, I do. I look at a lot of photography uh, outside of the wedding world, like mostly, mostly kind of yeah, photojournalism, street photography. I have a lot of photo books that are not at all wedding related. So what sort of things? I don't know. Loads. I mean, are these books that would drive your creativity? I don't know, it's hard to say, but definitely ones that I look at and uh, make me think more about yeah. constructing an image, for sure. Um, Have you ever- we've talked about some of them in the past, like yeah. Bob Mazur, Joel Mayowitz. Yeah, oh yeah. All that stuff. Uh, Jane Bowne. Um, you know, I've got I've got a whole load of, of books that I kind of dip in and out of. Um, um, I've, I'm, I'm going to throw something in here. I, I, I want to make a film about street portraits mm. because I'm not a street portrait man. I did do that um, Daytona Beach one. 
But I've started uh, following uh, this um, app called Medium. Have you heard of Medium? Medium, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was a really interesting piece that came out this morning, how to get people to like you in five seconds or less. And I thought I could apply this, actually, because it's all about this guy. I've been trying for 45 years. (laughs) The interesting thing, I mean, he starts it by saying, uh, I had to get over 100 prostitutes to like me in five seconds or less. That's not the reason I read on, but but I must admit, (laughs) it did rather rather, um, spark my curiosity. He said, I didn't do this because I wanted to sleep with him. I did it because it was my job. For about two and a half years, I had a job that I created for myself. I had to interview people at three in the morning on a Wednesday night. I don't know why this arbitrary time uh, to find out what they were up to. This whole piece in here, um, which really um, these are the kind of things that inspire me. I thought I could apply that to this film I want to make about street portraits, how to approach people, what to say, um, how people, you know, the, the, the mechanics uh, both mentally and physically behind how you approach people. And Medium, I think, is good. I've been using Medium a lot to inspire me mm. creativity, creativity, uh, cre- creatively. <laughs> Thank you. I got the word out in the end. But that. Uh, what about, um, he was mentioning Sean looking at film directors and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I. Oh, oh, you know what, me and films, I don't like any films. I, I don't like, all films these days are about killing people or children going missing. This is what Gemma said about you, that you can only watch Disney. Uh, yeah, the last film I watched that I, th- I truly, really liked was um, oh my god, now I'm never going to remember the name. But anyway, it was about um, trolls. No, it was a, <laughs> it was about an author, and she had oh right, <laughs> she was an author herself, but she ended up um, stealing quotes from another famous author and ended up going to prison. It's a true story. Um, right. Oh, this is N- terrible because now okay. I, was, I do feel like about a hundred years old. Um, it's got that English actor in it as well. He's the sidekick. He, he, oh, that makes it easier. He, <laughs> he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for it. Okay. Uh, Richard E. Grant in it. Ah. Uh, oh, well. t- type it in quick. Type Richard R- E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Um, f- film about a book. Richard E. Grant, latest films, something like that. Richard E. Grant. Can You Ever Forgive Me, I think it's called. Uh, type in Richard E. Grant, Can You Ever Forgive Me. Richard E. Grant. Ever. There we go. Can you ever forgive me? Yeah, there we go. Right, there you go. All right. So, f- rewind a little bit. Lee Israel is a frustrated, hard-drinking author who can barely afford to uh, pay her rent and bills in 1990s New York. Desperate for money, Israel soon hatches a scheme to forge letters by oh. famous writers and sell them to bookstores ah, and yes, collectors. I remember this. And I watched that on an airplane. I've never seen it, but I thought it sounded a brilliant film. It was wonderful. And nobody, I mean, people do die in it, but they die naturally. Mm. And Is that okay for you then? Yeah, they, um, it was good. And it, also, it's a true story. It was very well acted, um, really well cast. And yeah, and there's no guns, there's no murder, there's no there's no kids being abducted. Uh, th- you know, that's just, uh, Gemma said that you can only watch uh, murder things like Murder, She Wrote. Or yeah, I can only watch some, Midsummer, uh, Midsummer Murders. Midsummer, well, there was one episode of Midsummer Murders that I nearly wrote in and complained about. What about Columbo? Can you watch Columbo? Columbo I can de- deal with just about, yeah. <laughs> just one more thing. Yeah, just one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so that that that's the kind of thing that inspires you. That's we should do film review. Can you yeah. ever forgive me? That's the yeah. only film I'll do. Mark, Mark Commode will probably be <laughs> sit, sitting there, sort of. Um, anyway, um, Green, Green Mile for me, Stephen King. I love, I love that. I mean, you you couldn't deal with that story. I'm afraid that just I've never seen it, but it's just same yeah. as terrifying. Well, it's it's a, an incredibly, incredibly good film. Is it about the prison? So well written. It features uh, um, it, it it features a um, a character called John Coffey who is accused and um, then. 
and then taken to the electric chair for um, mur- for two murders he did not not commit. Oh but God. it's a, it's about his story. But but it's not just about that. There's a sub story that runs through that this guy seems to have these magical powers. Is it a true story? No, no. Oh. Um, there's ma- magical powers that, that that cures people around him of all kinds of ills. Um, it's a, it's just a, a fascinating. I mean, Stephen King's writing is mm. is something else. It really is. And I'm also inspired by the world of podcasting. I mean, you, you did you did mention it, Ian. So uh, where you dig out the, I, I, you know, you can dig out some really revealing stories from completely unknown people in in backwater back rooms, insightful people with creative ideas. And that's why I'm fascinated by by people's voices and their stories and some of the podcasts you can find that might only have one or two downloads you know there's some amazing stuff that that features people out there i'm inspired by that hmm. very much so hmm. thank you ian right your question oh paperless you've got to go back to your paperless paperless it's almost like are you remembering to slide the ones that you've done into the right file? i did yeah otherwise yeah. that system that you want is although good. i do find it peculiar this right click there's no right click on this this apple mouse thing right. um anyway so the, first of all i'm just going to mention dragos remember we, we spoke to drake or spoke oh, about dragos a few weeks ago we did yeah uh thank you for choosing my question dragos mandash yes exactly and we didn't know where he came from and he says greetings from sunny barcelona mandash dragos uh dragos Exactly. Yes. yes. So with the final S pronounced like the shy, Dragos. Yes. Um, and he also goes on to say that Ivan Drago, without the S, was the Russian boxer, which I was correct about. Yes. And you seem to think he was a Star Wars character or something. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, anyway, that's not the question of the I week. saw that on the PS here. Neil loses a point for putting me in the camp of negative characters. Yes. You said I he was. I knew he was the bad cop amongst you, too. You said he was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Dragos was in Star Wars or something. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, but no, I've not- always wanted. I think that playing the villain in a film would be so much more fun. Okay, so my question. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do too. John J. Uh, John J. Alvaro. Um, first of all, love the show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Here's the question: <laughs> I have an X Pro Two and said, "Can pro- I just stop you there quickly for fear of somebody writing and saying, don't interrupt Kevin?'" But do you remember that bit in uh, in Despicable Me where the, where he goes, "Blah blah blah." <laughs> that, we should dig that out. If we- if we could possibly uh, or get somebody to act it I so like, we don't get in copyright trouble with it I bet you it was the despicable character the, well the minions aren't they he was called Kevin as well he was <laughs> right I'm going to do that from sorry God John J. Alvaro first love the show blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> here's the question I have the X-Pro2 set of prime lenses my daughter loves to shoot and I got used to and I got a used XE one for her to share and learn on uh, photo walks feel like a good excuse to bond and to see the world at her level are there ways to set Fuji Fuji cameras so that kids can learn on a curve mm. while still allowing them to explore things like exposure and focus. Oh, great idea. Yeah, by the way, she's already taken a couple of epic shots because apparently people are way less aware of kids with cameras than large bearded men. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, mm, yeah, that's very interesting because the um, X. Can I click onto his website if you've got that question? Go for it. Because uh, he the, sent, and it's fascinating when you send in your websites, by the way. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the XE. I don't think the XE has the auto switch. Mm. Oh, does it? And the XT XT30s and stuff. I think too. I don't have them in front of me right now. Um, so some of the cameras do have the auto switch, which basically turns it into P mode and looks after everything for you. Right. Um, and that's like the my uh, Rosa has got my old XT10, and that definitely has the um, the little switch. So yeah, I often put yeah. it in there for her. Uh, whether there's like a, some kind of graduated curve, uh, it's not. It's hard to say. I mean, I would, I would possibly st- 
start with you know make sure the camera's on p mode or a mode and then move it to just use aperture priority perhaps and then bump in and come in on board with the shutter speed and then i always think iso is the last one to start thinking about so Mm. uh, iso 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 I got in trouble a lot of saying ISO. A- Aperture's a good way for, for kids to start one. You know, I yeah. want it more blurry, Dad, like yeah. in the background. Blur, yeah. blur, blur, blur. So, and that, you know, that setting on our aperture priority. Thomas, my uh, my nine-year-old, um, has used the X100F um, a bit, and he understands the aperture priority mode. And, uh, and, and he composes single point in the middle and then yeah. recomposes, yeah. which I'm, I'm delighted to good. see. Yeah. So he's not moving it around with the, the, no, no, no. the, the switch. He's actually... Um, focus and recompose it. I can see him moving the camera, which yeah. which I think is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's basically what <coughs> I would do, I suppose. Uh, Anna McCarthy, this is quite a long one. I'm going to issue you the strap straight away. Um, cool, that sounded a bit violent, didn't it? Um, I'm issuing you the strap. Warning, warning. <laughs> some, some sort of punishment. Poor old Anna. So, sorry, Anna, I didn't mean it like that. Um... I absolutely love that John Swanell interview. What a lovely, uh, genuine, interesting guy with a beautiful voice. He does. You are right. I had an idea. Get folks to send in their stories of photographing celebrities. I have a few. My shoot with Joseph Fiennes. Oh, come on a minute. You've, 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 you've started with a, you know, right at the top of the tree there. Who'd forgotten and I had to get him out of bed. Right. That's a story in itself. Photographing Martin Parr next to a poster for his retrospective at the Barbican above a litter bin. In brackets, he didn't get the joke. And my friend Chloe, he went to Downing Street to photograph Sherry Blair in the the days of film and left after a great shoot, realising she had no film in the camera. Needless to say, she had the guts to ring the bell again and just come clean and Sherry let her back in number 10. (laughs) That's a brilliant story. (laughs) Anyway, questions. I understand using dedicated mirrorless lenses is really the only way, not using one's old digital SLR lenses with adapter. Something about them compromising the performance, I think, of the focusing and sensor. So... Whether I stay with Nikon, Nikon, and go for their first mirrorless offering or not, do I still need to go the whole hog and invest in the new dedicated lenses in your view? Now, this could be any system when you're changing, I suppose, couldn't it? Transitioning from one system to another is painful, guys, and a confusing process. What would you suggest, Kevin? Okay, so, and uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that, yeah, of course you can use the adapted lenses, mm. and a lot of people do, but I think the the adapters are few and far between the ones that allow you to use autofocus. I think you have to manual yeah, focus on many yeah, of them, yeah. uh, which could present a problem. And I just think, you know what, it's better. Even when I used to shoot with Canon, I would only use Canon lenses, and, uh, you know, I never really so went down to use of... proprietary. Well, yeah, but, I mean... Yeah, I never yeah, used Sigma uh, lenses Did you not? I uh, use Sigma quite a lot with... Uh, when I when yeah. I was shooting Canon. I'm sure they're fine. You yeah, know, I yeah, just yeah. never did it. And I just think it's, you know, you're probably going to get the best out of the best, aren't you? It's a little bit like using, you know, Audi tyres on a BMW or something, I guess. you know, They're going to work, but are they going to be quite rightly aligned? Have they been set up stuff? for it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would probably go that route, especially if you're a pro. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah. you know, you need to, you're making money out of it. That would be it. Although saying that, you can get you can get some very funky results out of legacy lenses, and you know, from a creative point of view, artistically, some of the old, uh, the really old, you know, those kind of Russian military lenses and things like that that you can oh, get. Oh yeah, yeah, they can they can they can give some really weird. And you can get those really results. cheap as well, can't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. You pick them up for about thirty quid, yeah. stuff like that yeah. from eBay. eBay's full of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you remember? Uh, this is going back a few months now. She said, "Bill, P.S. There were a few P.P.S.s on here." Um, I'm I'm with Neil on this one. I eked out my Easter egg like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for months and months. Do you remember we were talking about you'd stolen all your kids' Easter eggs, hadn't you? Yeah. 
I've yeah. already eaten their ones from next year. But then I'm a child of the 60s, 70s, born 66, and Easter egg was a major deal then. I did one eat, once eat the whole of my sister's Easter bunny before she'd even opened it. Mm. How do you do that? Yeah, that's clever. She was restraint personified. I was made to send her a sorry note. This is obviously stuck with you for, <laughs> for many, many years. Yeah. Um, anyway, Anna McCarthy, I am sending you a simpler, S-I-M-P-L-R, camera strap. Enjoy. Put that down there in the camera strap pile. Well done, well done. Well, one more from you, then it's interview time. Okay, and I think this is quite a useful one, quite an interesting one, also because um, uh, I'm kind of tired as well right now. It's You're been still a tired. Busy, busy yeah. season so far. It's July. Spain is only a couple of, of weeks away. Spain, Spain, Spain. Just keep thinking of Spain. Yeah, but don't you do, do you not get that in the, in July? Doesn't that like? Is that like? I always say to Gemma at the beginning of July, just ignore me for a month. Do you? you know, and I've got all kinds of stuff going on. She does that for the rest of the year. Yeah, eleven months. That's true. Yeah, She's, <laughs> who said that? She says. Uh, so this is Emily uh, Renier, and actually, I'm going to send Emily a strap because I think she sent us quite a few questions, mm. and I don't believe we've sent her a strap before. Um, so Emily, well done. You will get the uh, simpler strap. And the question is: Hi guys, another question. I am. Am I asking too many? Well, there you go. Right. Uh, no, no worries no, if you can't answer it. Not at all. You can send us as many as you want. Yeah. Just wondering how you cope with tiredness and loss of focus during the end of a shoot. What, now, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. Who said that? Uh, loss of focus during the end of a shoot. Uh, now a fair few years into your career. I find that after a two-hour shoot, I am absolutely uh, exhausted. A level of tiredness not experienced before. Yeah. Aspiring to be a documentary photographer means that I am living every moment, second by second, yeah. intensely, just in case one passes me by. Oh, wow, that, that's exhausting. Mm. So by the end of the shoot, my levels of concentration start yeah. to waver. And after the shoot, I tend to go home and sit on my sofa, staring at the wall blankly for a while. Two shoots this weekend and this morning, I'm struggling to get up and go to my day job. I used to teach those two kids all day, every day, and I didn't find that as tiring I do sh- uh, as I do shooting for two hours. Catching moments is exhausting. Will it get easier with time? Nope. Mm, <laughs> yeah, nope, I agree with Neil. Actually, yeah. I think you yes start saying, no. yeah. I, th- I think you can, well, what's that phrase, unconscious and conscious competence, mm. where you start to, you know, you do something long enough and it becomes unconscious competence which is ideally what you're looking for isn't it I yes don't, i don't believe that means even in in artistry but that, pilots have that don't yeah, they? yeah 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 and and driving when you first learn to drive you think oh well, i've got to change first a second and third and look out the window and mm. look in the mirrors mm. and then after a while you wonder you know what all that fuss was about yeah true uh yeah i mean in fairness though i do think i i don't feel like i struggle so much as i used to for sure but then i probably don't shoot as much i probably relax more i'm probably more aware of my um abilities my deliverance my delivery my uh, you know all of that other stuff i think when you start in um you know when you start out you tend to panic a bit and just yeah. Yeah, you know, I must keep shooting. Must keep shooting. Must keep getting this. Must be doing that, and and that's not necessarily always the case. So um, yeah, I think I think it probably will get better, um, but maybe not. There you go. How about that for in, a rounded answer? Enjoy the struggle. We're art. We are artists, darling. We have to be uh, in the struggle. Yeah, that's right. That's the whole idea of it. But, but put a TV on your wall, so when you go home and you stare at the wall blankly, you've got something more interesting <laughs> to look at. <laughs> that's it. That's my answer. So then, time for the interview. 
Joanne MacArthur this week. Oh, we will come back, by the way, to do some more interviews um, with those speaking at the X Weddings Conference number two. Um, we, um, we've, we've got a few people lined up over the next couple of weeks, of course, and we've, we've got a few months to run now, so, uh, so you'll hear all the speakers before the actual conference itself. Joanne MacArthur is our guest this week. For 15 years, Joe has worked as an animal photojournalist. She believes that we're somewhat disconnected from what we eat. But, but while she's an activist, don't go confusing her photographic work with a style of hectoring, harassment, or even more violent acts sometimes all too easily associated with animal rights activism. She's been documenting photographically, that is, the plight of animals on all seven continents, She's the, the author of two books about the subject and was the subject herself of a, a Canadian film called The Ghosts in Our Machine, a film that follows Jo as she tries to have her incredibly potent animal stories published. Now, it seems strange to say before you even hear the interview that we intend to return to this subject and to Jo with a much longer version, hopefully before the end of the year. But uh, when I was introduced to her work by Ben Gillett, a Fujicast listener, I was very keen to, to air some of her thoughts about this intriguing photographic genre as quickly as we could. Joe, let's get this one out of the way immediately, as uh, as so often we're thought of as just a Fuji-biased program. One, one geek question, and we can brush that under the carpet and talk about important stuff. What do you shoot with, and why? Oh, I'm an icon gal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not converted over to mirrorless, though I thought of it quite a bit. I really looked into it uh, mostly as a, a weight issue, because... You know, we photojournalists with a bunch of lenses and icons, it, it can be pretty cumbersome on your back for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. But you know what? I, I, I've tried other cameras and I just adore my D4S. I adore my D850, their capabilities. And also for low light shooting is just dreamy to me. And uh, after much thinking, I've decided to just uh, continue with it. Stay and with as for the, yeah. yeah, as for the brand loyalty, um, I think it's just a matter of me having started with Nikon. Often we we start we stick with what we started with. Not always, but uh, that's certainly the case for me. Of course, that D four though it is it is a heavy camera, and, and uh, you know, when I look at the stories that you shoot and, and the places you <laughs> shoot in, I'm I'm imagining you must have biceps of steel. <laughs> Good back muscles, I think, because everything oh, yes. you know, yeah. <laughs> carrying things long distances and for long hours. But uh, you know, I do tell people. Uh, you know, they ask me also, what's my secret and how do I do all this work? And part of it, honestly, is staying in shape. Because, um, you know, my work is very, very active, uh, climbing climbing things all the time, really, be they fences or trucks, in order to uh, gain access and to be able to see what uh, what I need to shoot. Before we get to, to We Animals, uh, the project I want to uncover a lot more now, let, let's discuss you and your motivation. And I, to do that, I, I visited the original website, if you like. Um, though I've seen you shoot portraits, and I only just found out that you, you've shot 600 weddings as well. I had no idea yeah. about that. <laughs> what what inspired you to tell stories about animals in particular and, and their plight and what they mean to the world? Okay, well, my initial obsession was street photography, war photography, and photojournalism. And I was going in this direction. I was interning with uh, Magnum photographer Larry Towell and trying to figure out where I could go and what I could do. And I, I, um, I knew I wanted to photograph, you know, strife and conflict and, and issues that were, that are important in the world. And I said to Larry, I think I'm going to go to Afghanistan. And he said, he gave me some very simple and wise advice. He said, Joe, that's not you. He said, do what you love, do what you know and do what you love. 
And what I know a lot about is, uh, about, you know, about animals and how animals are treated and how animals live and die at our hands worldwide. And I started thinking about this and seeing that, yes, we have a lot of coverage of wildlife. We have a lot of coverage of pets and companion animals, but there is this other category. Uh, I call them the invisible animals. And they are the animals we have a very close relationship with because we eat them, we wear them, we use medicine that's tested on them, but we fail to see them in our lives. They are invisible and uh, they are as sentient as the other animals we revere and care for. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I think this is my story. And I, I just started shooting close to home and I'm, I'm a traveler anyway. So anywhere I would travel, I would, you know, look at how animals were being used in, in those countries. And essentially it's a topic that uh, is is endless unfortunately whether it's birds being kept you know at the local pet store and animals in the exotic trade business I mean you see that everywhere or whether it's more investigative work um, investigating factory farms bear bile farms uh, all these interesting and crazy and terrible ways that we use animals and so it uh, it became a preoccupation and an obsession and also because I'm driven to take these images to educate people and help create change. So often uh, passion is expressed. And I think we've touched on that now within your answer really is the most important element of getting involved in a campaign issue. But I, I do think a healthy amount of frustration, which I think you've expressed, <laughs> and, and even anger can be just as expressive. Well, I'm really glad that the images communicated something to you and that you reacted to them. Um, people do, they are uncomfortable images and I'm very angry and I'm very frustrated about how we treat billions and billions of animals every day worldwide. But it's a good question because I don't re really want my anger and frustration to translate because that will also translate as didactic and telling you how to feel and telling you how to react. I want to create images that are poignant, uh, uh, painful to look at, but beautiful enough that people will return to the image. And that's the big challenge with photographing. My God, like, you know, animals in their last moments of life as they go to slaughter or the confinement of hens in cages by the hundreds of thousands in a, in a single barn. Um, I, I try and show not just the animal and perhaps get a glimpse of what their experience might be, but also the focus is the constraints and the bars and the cages and the fences in which we keep animals for our use. So the project is called We Animals, um, which, you know, can have many interpretations. And so I want the images to make us self-reflect, but I don't want people to turn away from them. And if the images are just too uh, gory or if they are just too direct and not nuanced, people are going to dismiss them or not look at them. It's interesting you mentioned the didactic um, the, the, the fact you didn't want it to be that. Do, do you find yourself, um, a bit particularly when you're with people that I, I, I suppose are the, the, the root cause of this cruelty, how do you disengage with them to then engage with the animals? Well, I really like people. <laughs> That's part of why I do this work and why I was interested in, you know, social issue photography in the first place. You know, the people I might have a really hard time with are the ones who are making the most profit off of animal use. So, you know, um, slaughterhouse workers and, and factory farm workers, I mean, they are people who need a job. Uh, I have nothing against these people. Um, people who are maximizing, you know, profit and designing the cages so that we can stuff, you know, 35 cages, uh, 35 birds into um, 
an enriched cage instead of ten, and this kind of thing. Like it's it's pretty insidious, and the public tends not to know about, you know, how the animals live, the, the animals we're eating, and so um, I don't begrudge people too much. I, I am frustrated, but uh, I'm just trying to, you know, communicate <laughs> through my photos. If my words can't you know, quite do what I want. I, I try and let the, the images speak. <laughs> I'd like to get behind a little bit behind how you how you manage to make these pictures. You're a photojournalist. You're telling stories and you're telling plights within those pictures that you're making. And some of it is not comfortable, is it? Not comfortable no. f- for perhaps not just the viewer, but because you're because you're making a story where people are watching you photograph and are they wondering what you're doing are they concerned that you're telling their story in a way they would they wouldn't want it to be told oh i totally understand what you're saying and uh, you might be assuming that i always have permission when i uh, when i don't uh, which is an unfortunate part of the work it's it's a part of the work that i really dislike which is basically trespassing uh, on properties worldwide because in particular places where animals are used in research, food, and fashion, like fur farms, um, these places are not open to someone like me who wants to photograph the conditions as they are on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I have been invited to plenty of slaughterhouses and factory farms, and I've been given tours from owners um, in, in that regard. I have said, hey, I'm a photojournalist. People are really disconnected from their food. Um, I'd like to show the whole process. And they say, yeah, we agree with you. Okay, we'll give you a tour. Um, But the places get really cleaned up when you do that and everyone's on their best behavior. And if I go uninvited, um, I don't break and enter. I tend to climb fences and I go through open doors, unlocked doors. Um, But if I go uninvited, then I'm going to get a glimpse and therefore the world is going to get a glimpse of... uh, more of a true sense of the conditions which are often extremely unclean uh stinky crowded um i mean all sorts of things uh, you can you can see on the we animals media page okay. uh, we have yeah. we have galleries on every kind of industry um so i i don't like to lie and i don't like to sneak around but i i do have a loyalty to telling these stories in a true way and unfortunately that's how i have to uh to well, get those stories some time, and I'm I'm always up for debating that with people, but and I have, but uh, that's still how things have to go with me. When you look at factory farming, for example, on the We Animals website, I mean it's practically an A to Z of cruelty in some respects, isn't it? Yes, uh, duck farming in Australia and Nepal, yeah. greyhound uh, racing, Hurricane Florence, sheep sale yards, yeah, uh, sanctuary, po- poaching, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned sanctuary there. Thank goodness I get to photograph the good as well as the bad. I think I'd be going crazy mm. otherwise. Um, but there, there's a lot of hope in the world, and I focus on that. I'm bound to mention David Attenborough, who's who's a, a UK gem, is he? Yes. And and and, uh, and of course, I wonder sometimes with uh, journalists such as uh, such as David Attenborough and photojournalists such as yourself. And I've talked to conflict and war photographers and spent time that those who spend their time in continents dealing with humanitarian disaster, where the focus is on people, not necessarily the wildlife affected. But I've I've always been fascinated by the ability to for people like David and, and yourself to to disconnect, not not empathically, n- not at all, but in terms of non-interference when making sometimes horrific pictures and stories of plight. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, it's it's nice to have that acknowledgement uh it's sort of hard to explain um and i think 
with, you know, what I have in common with these photographers is that we are trying to change a situation, uh, an event, a system, but we can't help those who are right in front of us. I mean, we rarely can. And that is traumatizing. And a lot of us are, you know, really carry the wounds from that because first of all, we're doing this work because we care so much. So to go to these places and to face the suffering and then to leave only with pictures, I mean, it is, it is honestly, it's awful. It's the worst part of my work. And uh, especially, again, because we care so much. So we, we do need to look after ourselves in that regard. And I think also it gives, it means we have the responsibility to do the best that we can with those images. And that means getting them out into the world. And I always tell photographers, yes, part of the job is shooting, but an even bigger part of the work is getting it out into the world where mm. the images belong. There's no sense doing this terrible documentary work and then having it sit on a hard drive is there and it's much more than just making pictures there's a, a huge degree of thoughtful composition within your work all those 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 things that we think are you know, the, the artistic bedrock of how we work still counts though when you're making even these horrific stories sometimes perhaps it counts especially because if the images are not beautifully composed, people will just want to turn away from the images. Um, so perhaps we have to take even extra care. And honestly, this is just a, a really out of, it's like an out of body experience for mm. me when I'm in a slaughterhouse and these beautiful bulls are, um, you know, with dignity going, going to get their next slit. And I'm there like crouched next to them, you know, as this, as this horror, uh, this violence is inflicted mm. on them. Um, and to stay with them as they, you know, as they pass away in pain. Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah. it's it's uh, it's really something. <laughs> but you know, we we just don't consider the steak on our plate. We don't consider the wings and the ribs. And I I want people to have a thought for these animals and and hopefully to you know change the amount we consume. We Animals Media, though, um, the, the project, because we spoke actually a, almost a month ago, I think, initially, um, you've just had a launch, haven't you? So t- yeah. tell me all about it and, and what, what that has done for the organisation, because obviously it's, it's not just you. There's, there's Sally and Kel and Anna and Adette and Kelly and Vanessa. They're all with you <laughs> in this journey. Uh, they're not necessarily filmmakers or photographers, of course. They're, they come from marketing backgrounds, um, all those sort of... In, important elements that that will thrust this organization forward so tell me about the launch yeah it, oh well it's um it's an evolution of we animals we animals was a solo pilot mission for many many years and um you know i i want to do my work but i also want to reach farther always you know it's it's always important for me to be thinking about well what can i do to get more of these stories out into the world and, uh, and so the idea of We Animals Media was born and, and that requires, you know, staff and a director of operations and a communications person to be organizing with uh, new contributors. So over the past couple of years, I've been observing who are the animal photojournalists out there and not so much the wildlife people. There are lots of those, but who's doing investigative work and who's kind of like uh, in, in very gutsy ways, like breaking new ground with this kind of work. So I have been building relationships with new, new photographers and filmmakers, uh, recruiting them. We've got about a half a dozen of them now listed as contributors on the site, but we have at least a dozen more who we are onboarding. 
Um, we, we Animals Media is funded by donors and grants. And um, there is a granting body called the Open Philanthropy Project. And they actually approached us and said, hey, how could we help you scale up? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a dream come true. I said, well, actually, we want to create We Animals Media from We Animals. And this is our plan. And they said, OK, well, we'd love to give you a grant to help make that happen. Where would you like to see the organization go? What's, what's your absolute goal, your, your desire, your dream? You know, I, first and foremost, I would like the organization to be successful. I would like it to draw uh, really interesting and, and creative contributors who want to use our media agency as a platform. Um, we have specific projects that are important to us right now, like the We Animals Asia series. Uh, so not only Asia, but the BRIC countries with these rising economies, which, which means the, the increase of animal use. And so... Um, Increase of you know animal use also actually means an increase in uh, the counterweight, which is you know the activism and the NGOs that are springing up um, to you know fix this and balance this. So I want to I want to work in these countries. I want to work with interesting people who are creating solutions. So I think we'd like to move towards a more solutions based uh, approach over the coming years. I'd like to celebrate the change makers and empower other people to be change makers as well. And I think, I think that's it. <laughs> My thanks to, uh, to Jo, Joanne MacArthur, for her time and telling us about the, uh, the media, the, the new media launch for We Animals. If you'd like to go and see Joe's site, then uh, there's two sites for me to recommend. Firstly, We Animals Media. So that's weanimalsmedia.org, which was uh, what we were talking about during the interview a moment ago. The original site for Joe is uh, joannemacarthur.com. And incidentally, you can see the, um, uh, the project called Captive on there, uh, which, which is just... It, it's, it's horrifically stunning. Is, is that the phrase I'm, I'm incorrectly or rather clumsily falling over? I don't know, but it's, it's certainly worth going to that site. And um, equally, uh, you'll notice that uh, there was an interview there recorded uh, using a Skype facility. Um, we've been working very, very hard uh, behind the scenes to try and find some uh, solutions for, for talking to photographers around the world, um, but also being able to do it um, using a facility uh, where the, the audio is much cleaner. And we're looking forward to uh, not so much partnering, but using Zencaster. And I, I mentioned Zencaster not because there's any kind of advert behind it, but because... Um, there are a few uh, mails and, and things that we receive each week about the technical side of, of putting this podcast together. And uh, I'm kind of sharing that with you as we go along because I'm really excited about it to start using Zencaster because it means uh, we'll be able to talk to people. And uh, although I'm, I'm not so sure it'll feel or sound exactly like they're in the, the same room, but um, but it'll be that much closer. So I'm, I'm really excited about reaching out and talking to more photographers around the globe using Zencaster. There we go. See, not only can we we uh, tech geek with cameras, we can tech geek with a sound as well. Right, question. back to your questions. Back to the questions. Okay, so I'm dipping back, back, back a few months now, I think, to this email that mm. came from Passi Costiander. Right. And uh, it says, it's a great idea for a podcast, vintage lenses with modern Fujifilm cameras. Now, we kind of just mentioned that with, uh, did, with Anna's yeah. question. Yeah, 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 we did. Um, but he goes on to say, especially the radioactive ones. Radioactive. Radioactive ones. Radioactive lenses? Like the... 
Takamura 55mm F2. My, yeah. my, and it says in brackets, my personal favourite because I'm too poor to buy proper modern auto lenses. Okay. Are, now, this is the thing that's interesting. Are people scared of thorium-coated lenses because of the Fukushima, Chernobyl, Three Mile wow, Island, etc.? Wow, wow, wow. This is something I've never heard of before. No, I would never, ever even think about Why, those things. Uh, so they're thorium, thorium... Okay. So let me look up thorium-coated lens, first of all. Yeah, okay. you do that. Um, thorium coated lenses. Lenses. There we like go. Up there. So thorium. Uh, significant number of lenses produced in the 1940s through the 70s Whoa. that are, are oh hang on immeasurably warning warning radioactive. Main source of radioactivity is the use of thorium oxide up to 30% by weight as a component of the glass used in the lens element. Whoa. Wow, I never heard of this before. This is fascinating. No, I didn't either. Here you go, radioactive Thor- lenses. Thoriated glass, they call it. Thoriated glass, glass material used in the manufacture of optical systems. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, uh, what's your? would you use thorium-coated Don't glass? Don't think so. Would you? Just sounds a, bit, sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Yeah. Um... Okay, it says uh, typical radiation levels can approach 10 mR an hour, 100 views an hour, <laughs> as measured. I can tell you weren't listening in physics. <laughs> yeah, I did my physics GCSE five times, I have you know. you got knowledge, <laughs> As measured at the lens element surface, decreasing substan- substantially with distance. Yeah. At a distance of three feet, the radiation level is difficult to detect. Well, you're going to be a lot closer well, you're to the lens, be, aren't yeah, you? That's, you're on it, aren't you? Yeah. Three, three, you're, within, you're within three feet. For reference, a typical chest <laughs> X-ray consists of about 10 mm. Uh, a round trip cross-country airline flight exposes a passenger to five, five. mirrors. I had no idea about that as well. Uh, and so the typical lens, th- these typical lenses approach ten mirrors. <laughs> That's bad. Do you want to know what that mirror is, it actually is? Yeah. Uh, mirrors. Um, mister. A mister. It doesn't tell us. Okay. <laughs> Put equation next to it. Equation and chemistry. Marginal it's revenue not even physics, formula. Physics is chemistry. What we're we talking go. about? God. Marginal revenue formula. Okay. Marginal revenue formula. I don't think that's right. That's no. economics. Yeah, that's the quantity say, sold. That, that reminded me of university. Revision three, GCSE. Let's go back there. No, we're not talking about number of moles, mass, and relative <laughs> formula mass. God, you can tell we're well out of our depth. Uh, okay, here. let's go back to the question. Yeah. So the answer is, and now I know what I didn't know. Mm. I, I probably wouldn't, but had I not known what I now know, I probably would. This is something, by the way, for our new Facebook group, the Fuji Cast. Have you ever heard of these lenses? Have you ever used one of these lenses? Would you use one of these lenses? By far, the most prolific producer of radioactive lenses was Kodak. No way, Eastman Kodak. <laughs> From the forties through to the sixties, substantial numbers of amateur cameras were produced and sold with thor- uh, thoriated uh, lenses including some of the pony signet and high-end instamatic Whoa. hang on cameras. a minute i've got some of those in the, I in thought, the display cabinet I, at the back i thought your head had been gl- <laughs> glowing green a bit recently whoa that's going straight away wow i'd the never most, heard of radioactive lenses before the if most learn, famous radioactive yeah. lenses were the kodak ectars oh, unbelievable i've yes <gasps> I wonder if Sand, our good friend Sanjay, who knows all about Kodak, I yeah, wonder if he'd know well, about Yeah, his dad stuff used like to work for Kodak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. 
Okay. Maybe this is why you've ended, you've had a bit of enchiladas recently. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe why I've been sitting on my camera stand. <laughs> well, I, I, I am actually going to. Um, where are we? I need to go back to it. I, I'm going to send uh, Passy Constienda my strap. Yeah, you, you should um, because yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting things yeah, I've learned about lenses in a long, long time. That's correct, and yeah. also we've learned that we have no idea about chemistry yeah, or, or physics, yeah. <laughs> and when to use either in the in the appropriate times. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for that. And by the way, if you're listening, th- this is an open forum as well. Do do feel free. It's not just Alan Gump that can fact <laughs> check us. You can as well. Um, hey, Neil and Kevin. I'm uh, Mohammed from Toronto in Canada. Hi. Um, love your podcast. Been listening to it since the first episode. I switched to Fuji X-T2 from um, 12 plus years, I guess he means, of Canon DSLRs. Love every bit of it. I was a bit hesitant to ask another question since my last question wasn't answered. Oh, no, Mohammed. Well, no, no, no. Look, we've got... Really? We've got, like... Mm. 50 questions yet. no there's more than that now we've got the online system input yeah there's in. 250 no not 250 that's what's see? in my spam box 73 73 73 so listen we've tried to get through as, as many as we can and we are thinking and, and maybe uh, you can give us some feedback on this I think it will have to happen it'll have to happen after Kev's done his Spanish tour um, but um, we were thinking about doing a YouTube mop up of questions oh. uh, where we just do a film dedicated and half of it would appear on Kev's YouTube channel half of it on mine to really go through all the motor through the questions that we haven't had time to do of late but um, honestly Mahabha we try and get through all of these we really do anyway I want to try and shoot film simulation bracketing on the X-T2 with Acros, Velvia, Chroma, so on and so forth. I want the preview on the LCD EVF to be black and white. But no matter what film simulations I set in the bracketing menu, the display always seems uh, to be in colour, even if all three are Acros. Is there a reason for that, Kev? Mm, I don't know, actually. I mean, I know... I've never tried it. I, well, I know that you can't, you can't dictate which... Out of the three bracketed film simulations, which one is going to display in the in the um, in the EVF? No. no However, yeah. I would have thought if they were all, if you chose three black and white film simulations, then yeah. they would have been black and white. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. I need to check that. I haven't got a camera with me at the minute, but I, mm. I would have to check that. The, re- um, the reason I want, I want it to be black and white display is that it would better allow me to see the highlight shadows, yeah. which is something you say a lot. Yeah. So that's that's uh, yeah. preaching to the choir in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, when I use vintage lenses, manual focus is much easier with using focus peaking, which is true. Again, Mohammed, you're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if this is uh, not a setting available now, could you please request it through Fuji? Mm-hmm. Wow, there we go. You know the best thing. Come to the right man to ask. Well, we, we, we had a couple of questions along those lines recently, and actually, yeah. the best thing. Uh, yes, of course. You know, I I often have a little notebook that I note down things and, and will pass the information on mm. uh, where necessary. But uh, at the same time, you can always take to Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And even if Fujifilm don't reply, anything that is is considered a you know feature request does go through you know they've got this kind of like huge database with oh. loads of requests and stuff so um you know so you can ask yourself and they will listen yeah absolutely hopefully okay so i've got an interesting question um from tim kington okay and the reason i say it's interesting i haven't actually read the question yet but because <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. i photographed this, tim's, tim's wedding a couple oh, weeks you? ago oh. yeah so him and his this, little, this new paperless thing that i've, I've given you is, <laughs> that you've elected to use is really working isn't it yeah yeah it's um, when i type them out or when I copy paste them, I, I 
I'd you spend a little them. bit of time reading them and, and actually yeah, I think putting them in a, in, in a kind of... I, I shorten some of them this, a bit. This is you. like documentary question reading. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, go into it it's with the unknown. Reactive. So Tim and Kat, I photographed their wedding at the uh, Nash Point Lighthouse. Was it... Ah, was it that, that one? Yeah, I remember that, that little fantastic. photo film I showed yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful couple. Beautiful. What a lovely place to photograph. Beautiful wedding, beautiful couple, beautiful yeah. Labrador as well. Okay, so anyway, uh, Neil, Kevin, love both your work and thanks for a great podcast. Uh, although I must confess, I have a slight bias toward Kevin's work <laughs> because he just photographed my wedding yeah, last weekend yeah. in a lighthouse. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Thank you, Tim. Um, anyway, if you get a chance to read this, I have a question for you. I enjoy photography and tend to use it to document my adventures, but often travel where space and weight is at a premium and I can only really take one camera with one lens. Historically, I've always defaulted to a single prime like the 16mm or 23mm but I have heard a strong argument made for zooms especially around photojournalism because it allows you to tell a story with different fields of view which Mm -hmm. can create more interesting narrative looking back through my photos I think using a single prime gives consistency to storytelling but would you agree that a zoom lens like the 18-55 or 16-55 creates more opportunities for different types of shots when travelling and therefore interest compared to the primes Mm. hmm uh, there's a gap, I think, in terms of one of the zoom lenses I like to use. Um, I use the 10 to 24, but it's an f4, isn't it? Or f5, yeah. 6. Um, but it is uh, image stabilized. It is image stabilized, but I wish that was faster because it's a lens I use a lot. I could put myself in some sort of really tight situations with uh. it, especially when I'm photographing in the kitchens. Um, and to me, sometimes I want a shallower depth of field with it. So that's missing the Arsenal of zoom lenses, and for me, that that's probably what's missing in in the zoom argument is um, is that depth of field. If that's important to you, it's yeah, not important to everybody, obviously. Yeah, I think that um, you know, I, I mean, I stick to primes, and that that idea of consistency to images is important. Mm. Um, specifically for the wedding work and kind of uh, commercial photography, but the the zoom I do I have the sixteen to fifty five and I have the big one the fifty to one forty is it I think yeah yeah uh, and I use those when I do my sports when I do the um, great run companies work and all that kind of stuff yeah so yeah they each have their place and you know what uh, I mean I if I'm going away for a trip or you know an adventure <laughs> I would just take my X one hundred more than likely yeah. because that's just me. But so with the equivalent y- y- of a 35 focal I, length, I probably wouldn't have. I wouldn't be adverse to taking the 16 to 55 instead of yeah. a 23, 35, and 50 mil lens or something, because you know, yeah, I mean, why not? The the optically they are great. It's not like the old days where you know you used to get a lot of barrel distortion and fringing and everything yeah. on the zooms. I think the the feature film zooms are some of the best that I've ever seen. 1024 gives a bit of fringing. The, yeah, well, the 1024 was the first one, wasn't yeah, it? it was so the first gen, wasn't it? So maybe that does yeah and i, I mean I, I have that 10 24 but i don't yeah. really use it um, i love that lens particularly for video work yeah so yeah i mean you obviously use what what you want you know use what works for you i you know the the problem with the zooms are they are a little bit bigger apart from those tiny little um what's that one 16 the 1855 is quite is it 1855 that's quite that's small that's the small one isn't yeah, yeah. it that's the f2 to that's, f4 lens that's, isn't it no f28 the fixed lens no i'm talking zoom yeah, but it's fixed aperture at f2.8. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another one that's f2.8 to f4, isn't there? Yeah. Um, which I think is six, 16. I don't know. I don't know. 
we need to find some people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> Quick, we're auditioning. But um, Thank, yeah, thanks, Tim. We've talked a lot about uh, consistency in um, in focal lengths of, of late. There was a, a film um, a film director. I can't remember his name at the moment. Sorry, who, who made a film recently just using thirty five millimeter entirely for the whole film? Whole film. Can you imagine a whole film in thirty five mil? Didn't um, what's his name do that? Uh, who? Um, <laughs> See, I, I I went the safe route by saying I can't remember the guy's name, but you've just gone and sunk yourself <laughs> into this. Do you want to come back to that another week? That one, along with radioactive lenses, yeah, the famous and what guy, means. Famous, famous guy. Can I throw some questions at you while it's well? yeah? Go for it. Do you remember Ralu Chase? I do remember yes. Ralu. There course. are a whole load of uh, quickfire questions here that um, that that have been um, that have been hanging around for a, for for a long, long time. I was just nudged on these the other day by by something. Um, and, and Stanley Kubrick st- um, was really was he just didn't he he might have done anyway back to Ralu um, these are quick fire questions uh, they're, they're not all necessary yes or no but you've got to be as quick as you can with them okay here we go uh-huh. um, how involved do you get with your bride and groom before the wedding mm, don't not at all do you have a set email already drafted for inquiries or do you answer each email with a unique response uh, I have a, a, a kind of template but I, I, I tamper with it a bit what lens would you not go without uh, 23 1.4 do you ever miss the full frame Ooh. no no when you travel for a wedding how do you back up your files well we've kind of done that one haven't we yeah yeah that's a long yeah. answer one yeah yeah um when you travel do you always have a checked in oh this is good checked in bag or you do, do you try and get away without one in other uh, words do you just carry your pants in your camera bag i have done that in the past but um this uh, the last time i shot a wedding a few weeks back in france i, I did a check-in bag just because yeah. i wanted to take a few other bits and pieces okay. i mean the clients pay for it so it makes no difference thank you Ralu, for those your question okay so my question is from kathy myers and it says uh hi kevin and neil uh i never really got podcasts but i'm really enjoying yours on my commute to and from oh, work good. How nice. welcome along kathy my question was inspired by a conversation that you were having about nerves before shooting a wedding but also links to some previous questions about the photographer not feeling comfortable charging more or at all for their work i've been the photographer for a few weddings both second shooter and main photographer and have covered some festivals and events but constantly struggle with confidence sometimes feeling as though i have to break my journey to be sick on the way to no the worry, event that is Ooh. anxious yeah. or just worrying that i'll mess it up i'm nearly always yeah. pleased with my work afterwards but the next time i am back feeling anxious i can speak in public generally and don't you don't get that anxious about things other than photography being a one-off event is mm. it a one-off event uh, I wonder how widespread this experience is amongst photographers and whether there are any tips that you can give around building confidence in our own work yeah. and overcoming nerves. And we have talked about this we on have, and but off I think it's a, it's a really good subject, this one. Yeah, mm. and, you know, I'm always of the opinion that if you're not a little bit nervous, you're not a little bit anxious, then, yeah, yeah. then you know, I think that's a good thing. But, but to the point of uh, being unwell, that's clearly not a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm not know. sure what to suggest in, in that kind of scenario. Well, I mean, it will get easier. I mean, I used to be very, very, I, I, you know, I'm still anxious and nervous, but I'm nowhere yeah. near like I used to be. Yeah. And I think what I try and think about is that, I think it was something you said to me once, and I think you got it from someone else, yeah. that we're not... <laughs> it's not going to be mine. And he probably got it from somebody else. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> um, that... Uh, we're not brain surgeons, you yeah. know. We're not. We're not curing cancer. We are. That was Zach. Zach this said Zach Arias was the only people that. curing cancer. Are the people curing cancer. Yeah, exactly. So it's photography, and yes, yeah. absolutely, of course, you want to get it right. And the 
what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? You know, if you're shooting weddings, of course, the yeah. worst thing that could possibly happen is that you have a calamity with your memory cards and you lose all of the pictures. Mm. Okay. That is a terrible, terrible thing to happen. Nobody died. No. They still got married. They still have memories. Ten hundred other thousand iPhone pictures have been taken. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not brain surgery. No. So try and that's what I try and tell myself. Of course, you still want to make sure you do a very good job when you don't want your cards to fail. And I'm touching all of Neil's woods mm. things. Thank <laughs> you very much. And um, the pleasures, all, <laughs> pleasures all mine. Warning, warning. <laughs> um, Kids, stop listening now. But but yeah. So you know, just try and just try and relax a little yeah, bit and try and yeah. think more about the, uh, the 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 goodness of the event that's about to unfold rather than the negativity. I certainly remember from my broadcasting days, um, uh, a broadcaster saying to me. Um, anxiety is a strong artistic aphrodisiac. I can't exist without it. That's a very good I, quote. We'll I love never, that. Phrase. We're never going to get that all around the side of a cup. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Um, questions. Um, oh, I've got something here that I've got my question in a second, but can I just cover this one off? Uh, from uh, Alexander TE. Um, it came, it was a tip that was sent um, about switching slots. Um, if you push play, then push and hold play. Because I was talking about changing slots for when you want to send off an image to your phone, right? Used using um, mm-hmm. uh, a Bluetooth, yeah, um, um, or Wi-Fi, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, it can't. You can't do that with a RAW file. You can only do it with a JPEG. Correct. So um, there was this thing about taking your card out and putting it in the other slot. And of course, you don't need to do that at all. If you push play, then and then push and hold play a bit, you'll change from card one to two without swapping memory cards. Yeah. Then you hit function to get into send mode. Mark the images you want to print or send. Then push it. Then push back button. It sends it automatically. Yeah, and okay. also you can change the the playback card in the menu as well. Yeah. So that's so, a similar thing, yeah. Just thought I'd yeah. say that one good, good, we were good, talking about good, it. Yeah. All right, question. Um, hi, Kevin and Neil. I think we've got time for two more questions, and mm-hmm. that's it for the week. Yeah. Um, I'm a great believer in letting the camera do most of the work. Uh, this is from Stephen, Stephen Edgar, big fan of Kevin's, in brackets. All right, there we go. Thank you, Stephen uh, Edgar. Yeah, I generally shoot on aperture priority using spot metering, using auto white balance, auto ISO shutter. So once I have the camera set up, all, I, all I'm really adjusting is aperture and exposure compensation. When I review my photos after a shoot, I never look at them and think to myself, I wish I'd shot that with a different shutter speed or a different ISO. Most of the photos I review, I'm, I'm usually unhappy with and think I could have done better. But I'm not unhappy because I've got one of these settings wrong. It's usually more to do with the image. It's boring or the angle is wrong. Even the photos I'm happy with and keep in my collection, I never look at what the shutter speed was and so on and so forth. Um, in my opinion, if it's a good shot and I'm happy with it, then that's all that matters. When I hear people being interviewed about their photos, they usually always talk about what the ISO was, what the shutter speed was, and what the aperture was. I couldn't tell you what these settings were in any of my photos. Is it important? Well, uh, do you want me to answer part yeah. of it? Yeah, and he said, so should go? I even be paying more attention to the settings my camera has? Does it mm. matter? No. Well, yeah, I mean, really? no, yes, no, I agree with you, I, but it's... It depends a little bit on, I suppose, I, I think it's important for people to understand what will make more light hit the sensor, what will make drag, what will make you know less light hit the sensor and stuff. Yeah. But myself, personally, I shoot a lot on P mode, uh, A mode and feature film world. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I mean, often, I, 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 for a very, very long time, I 
embedded all of the EXIF data into all of my pictures that I put on my website. And right. I still do on my f16.click website. Right. Uh, but on my wedding website, I used to embed all of the EXIF data because I would get so many questions, so many questions. Uh, yeah. Literally, yeah. What, what, what did you shoot that with? Yeah, it makes sense because of your position with, with yeah, being an ambassador. which is fine, and I don't mind. But I, I, I was just like, you know what, I... I've no idea. I just had no idea, mm. and so I, I would just reply saying, "You know what? The EXIF data is in the image. If you if you want to if you if you want to take a look." But no, because I had a, a web server meltdown, and I've had to really I've had to change my website completely. That was intriguing. We should have mentioned that on the show. Yeah, Actually, was, probably you didn't want to. I'm mention trying it at to the blot time. it yes. out of that entire. It wasn't. It wasn't a life. great couple of weeks, was it? No. Um, so, but no, and, and in order to, uh, one of the things I've done is stop doing that. <laughs> um, but it, I still keep it on my F16 website. Uh, and, y- you know, I, I can usually look at one of my pictures and pretty much give a good estimate of what the, uh, what, what, what the exposure be, is and yeah, what lens yeah, it is. Yeah. But do I need to know? No. no. Should you need to know? No. no. Do, you, do you invest yourself in it? No. no. Is it important to understand the parameters and what makes the image like it is then i think that's true but yeah absolutely you know and the thing is if you you know if you take a fantastic picture of something and me asking you what the iso what the shutter speed what the aperture was that's not going to empower me to go and make the same another amazing picture just by knowledge of that you know Uh, knowledge of knowing um the the focal length is far more interesting to me yeah yeah I, that, yeah, that's I one of the things I looked at when we went to the Don McCullen exhibition. I was fascinated by mm. by his proximity to his um, to his subject, and of course, um, I, I went into my. Uh, so I, I go into this thing. I'm, I'm thinking, right? What was that shot? And was that 24? I'm using old yeah, yeah. old uh, the language here. 24? Was it 35 or was it 50? And I, that that was the thing that consumed my my technical thoughts. Um, obviously mentally looking at those pictures was a was a whole different journey in itself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. good thank good you very questions. much good right la- last question from kev okay this is from james souls who interestingly sent us this wonderful little picture um, oh look at that yeah it's uh, a cream tea and a flower and that oh, all will become tea. that's making me look feel hungry yeah i know all will become apparent hi neil and kevin i'm sat at a wedding tucked out of the way eating this amazing cream tea as my photographer meal but it doesn't look like that now i thought no time like the present to enter the ex-wedding drawer oh Ah, yes yes. so uh if you do mention on your emails that you send us that you would like to be in the ex-wedding the drawer for a free ticket for the ex-weddings then we will be doing a drawing out of the hat randomly i think we're gonna have to do that this week yeah we'll have to do because it's getting very yeah it's getting closer yeah it will be yeah so it's it's the end of july isn't it yeah 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 okay we'll do it soon We'll do it soon. Everybody who has done that, has mentioned it, will get put into a hat, and yes. we'll get um, one of the kitty winks to pull one out of the out of the um, out, of out of the names. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, question. Sorry, I'm waffling again. I do have a question too, yeah. but uh, less on photography, more about business. What are your top three or four tips to drive SEO traffic to your website? Mm. I'd rather manage this myself than pay someone, as I want the website to really reflect me and my style, uh, me and my personality through the words that I use. Also, I have my website host. Who oh, host? He does say host. Oh. Housed. But what he means is housed. hosted. Oh, it's quite uh, a nicer sort of very does, English way of saying it. Yeah, housed yes. with GoDaddy WordPress. I have my Not website hosted. housed through GoDaddy <laughs> yes. WordPress. I can't do it like you do. GoDaddy WordPress. Uh, who do you use? Do you have any recommendations? I see a lot of photographers use Squarespace. Yeah. Okay, so firstly, um, because I've just been through web server hell, um, <laughs> I used to actually uh, rent my own server and host it all there. And uh, so that was where it was. But I've subsequently moved away from that. And I use, I know you use site. Ground, 
Uh, it's WordPress for my uh, WordPress hosting, but GoDaddy, there's lots of them out there. SiteGround is the one I use. What are your top three or four tips to drive SEO traffic to your website? Pretty much the same thing as I say about social media. Remember the social in social media. <laughs> Remember the people in in the in the world. You know, don't don't build your website to, to pacify Google. Build your website to pacify potential clients, and then Google will, by mm. inference, be very impressed. Mm. Um, lots of content, lots of reg- regular Google loves content. Uh, try not to over-optimize keyword stuff here. All of that stuff. Um, fresh content regularly. That's that's kind of the the main stuff. Uh, you know, there are a lot. I'm, uh, this is like an, an entire my my talk at the X Weddings conference. In fact, is about SEO rather than pictures this year. Oh, and um, well, that makes it worth a ticket value alone. Chaps, <laughs> yeah. advertising, ding, 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 hashtag ding. advert. <laughs> and um, but but you know, the, 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 it's a it's a huge subject. But yeah. the the one thing I would say... How, how long are you going to spend on it in the conference? An, an hour. hour. It's an, an hour, hour session, right, okay. yeah. Right. But the one thing I would say is that most people still make the mistakes of the past. And, the, you know, they. it's more important these days to know what will get you in trouble with SEO rather than what what is good for SEO. Right. Because most people walk, fall down the route of doing all of the things that they think are going to race them to the top of the search yeah. engines and actually won't. In fact, it will get, get you pushed further down. So if, uh, if I'm honest with you, James, all I would say is good, fresh, honest content regularly without and always consider it's a human reading it rather than Google. Is it still 250 words? For a blog post? Uh, well, Does it matter it's 50, 100, 250? Is it an optimal 250, number? 300 words. You'll still get plugins and stuff that will tell you different words. But actually, if you only have 50 words to say about a subject, it's better to say 50 words rather than yeah. 300 words of fluff. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to, see, to read. Blog, it's easy to see blog posts. That see, now that's that thing, I, I don't write uh, enough blogs. And one of the reasons for that is because I always think, oh, I haven't got time for 250 words. So you're not suggesting I always it. have to do that? No. All right, okay. Don't do it. That's music to my ears. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, what and what? Um, obviously, no, we're not sellouts, um, but 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 in in that you know that you have quite a popular, growing YouTube channel. Uh, there's a there's a fair chance that one day you might be saying this show is sponsored by Squarespace. Uh, what's your honest uh, opinion? I don't think so because I don't use it. <laughs> yeah, Actually, true. that's not true. I do use it for my work, for yeah. my um, workshops. And I do. Well, funny enough, my new uh, loadingzone.co.uk um, website, which is um, the one for my podcast company, I might just plug this that is, one quickly. This hashtag, episode is loaded with, with yeah, uh, yeah. Hashtag hashtag. <laughs> um, well, you can't blame us. Um, yeah, now I do use Squarespace, and I really like the um the ease of being able to do stuff with squarespace that i think i would find harder to yeah. to do with with wordpress uh, i think squarespace is what, very what's, good what's the um um what's the with with all frivolity taken sucked out of this um What's your honest opinion about about using it as opposed to WordPress? And why do you use WordPress? Uh, Well, Squarespace is very, very good. I use it for my training website, like I said. And I would probably, if I was setting up a brand new business right now, wedding photography business, I would use, starting from scratch, I would use Squarespace. But but isn't the SEO not so good in Squarespace? Is is it not so... Well, no, it's not so much that. It's friendly. It's like SEO, search engine optimization isn't, it's just codes, letters Mm. behind the page. It's just the, the technology that goes on behind the page. WordPress is better, is easily, it's it's easier to organize things like categories and tags in WordPress right. than it yeah. is in Squarespace. But the functionality is the same across the board. You know, it's, it's they're all, you know, 
know, it's just I find it more intrinsically difficult to do things like meta tags and uh, descriptions and stuff uh, like that in Squarespace. So it's the, ba- the back end of it you don't enjoy so much. Yeah, and also Squarespace is I don't know what it is like forty themes and yeah. That's I it. mean, you can change them quite a lot with, within. But there's only 40. Mm, and yeah, your yeah, website right. is going to look like a lot yeah. of others. Yeah, and, yeah. and, of course, even on WordPress, you do tend to have a template. So I, I just think WordPress, like, I can't move my website from WordPress to Squarespace because of the SEO uh, legacy. And it's just way it too much of a just of be a, a job. minefield of work you could it? do it yeah. you could do it You'd but need a company the to do job that would be huge my my website goes back to 2008 yeah uh, and one of the one of the very sobering things in this exercise of changing my web server was revisiting blog posts from like mm. 2009 10 can you just put a load of redirects on yeah, you can, but they still drive you, traffic. So if you redirect, yeah. then that's not going to be you know, you're going to eventually lose that that benefit in Google. So, yeah. um, but if you redirected everything really old, would it matter? Well, it would because let's just say it's a venue that I, I went to in 2010, and I still get traffic from that yeah. that blog post, yeah. and I get bookings there. Then you know, if, if I haven't blogged about it since or something, then I've got nothing to redirect it to, and eventually Google will see the fact that that redirect points to content that's not relevant, that's not relevant to yeah, what it was. Okay. So yes, if you have newer content that's relevant then a redirect will be fine what about just saying hang this and getting a load of 401s popping up no bad 404s you mean 404s no no you don't want 404s so I I spent a lot of time redirecting I've got very good at doing um, so that would do you a lot of harm wouldn't it regex redirects in WordPress right I've done a lot of that it probably means nothing to you but it's formulaic redirects I didn't didn't even get the the (laughs) 4 bit right did I I was thinking of denim jeans formulaic redirects so redirecting um, page categories and things from my old server to my new uh, from my old structure to my new structure so I've cleaned it up a lot and uh, yeah it's but I would never be able to do that on Squarespace. Your site is super quick now. Yeah, that's the thing. It flies. And and the most, that's the other, that's a very good point, and this is what you should listen to as well, James, is mobile optimization is far more important than desktop. It mm. is more important for your website to work and look well on a mobile device than it is on a desktop these days. Ever. Yeah, uh, and in fact, Google Google ranks things based on mobile indexing. Do they? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So. And all these goodies are going to be discussed at the X Weddings Conference. Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. Yeah, plus more. Plug, hashtag, plug, yeah. plug, hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you very much for your involvement in the new Fujicast Facebook group. I appreciate that. And uh, I think we'll start using bits of that on the show. I know we've said we'd, we'd prefer to use the questions via the email, click at fujicast.co.uk. And that's still, that's the way we prefer to do it. But there are some things popping up there that we'll we'll like to dip in with. Um, and of course, while uh, while Kev's in Spain, um, mm-hmm. you can talk to him through the Fujicast um, <laughs> Facebook group, you and he'll be delighted to be chatting to you. Yes. Or, or he's you here at Yeah, yeah. While he's drinking his beer, that you'll notice so. that the spellings change as the day gets longer. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you equally for the shares that you've started to do. As we said, um, if, if you can help by sharing the cast as well, it just gives us a chance really to do a little bit more on the road because we've got some great ideas for stuff we want to do on the road. And, uh, and 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 on all those sort of recordings. While well, we mention it, tenth of September, that's obviously on for the Brighton meetup, where we'll be doing um, a podcast and eating fish and chips, going for a beer, going for a curry, all at the same time. 
I'm not quite, quite sure. The, the, <laughs> the girls, cool. the girls will love us. <laughs> not seagulls. The, no, not seagulls. No, no. I tell you what, those gulls in Brighton—they are Oof. vicious. Indeed. If you hold a chip in the air, yeah, there's it. no, they won't think about it. That's a great it'll, picture, though. It'll, it'll take your hand off. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Murray McMillan as well. Just a very uh, quick mention. Hey guys, I had a quick idea for a, a question section for the cast. So this this could actually be something for the Facebook group. I was listening to the latest podcast in a hot tub in Loch Lomond in uh, Scotland, complete with a couple of beers. Got me wondering where people listen to the show, how they're dressed. Oh, that's opening up a can of worms. I thought it'd be fun to ask the question on the show, light-hearted part of the podcast, and get a pick. Uh, quite literally, if you do it in the Facebook group of your of your listener base. There we go. Brilliant. I like that. What idea. a great idea. It's a very good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that in the great idea file. Yeah. Uh, payoffs this week. Guess who? It's from Rosa. My dad's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary I. His website is kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk. Or for street workshops, training, and everything Fujifilm, go to f16. I wish we had that on Anchor FM, which is a hosting. We don't use Anchor for our hosting for the podcast, but they have this way of uh, people sending in uh, questions, really good audio um, quality of questions. And I, I was thinking that would be a really nice idea. Actually, yeah, we, yeah, pe- yeah. people could send in the payoffs. We should have a telephone line. How could they do that? Can yeah, we, can we organise something? Record, like? record it on your phone and then just email it to us. Well, that, yeah. Hello, that's just yeah. as easy. Yeah, yeah. Why, why complicate it when you can do things the easy way? Yeah, you can do. So it on if you want to have a go at doing one of the pay- payoffs um, this week for me, it's going to be our Jack. My dad's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James Photo. His website is neiljames.com for pictures and one-to-one mentoring. And you can hear his other photography podcast, which is called Breathe Pictures, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, music this week was some Blue Wednesday. That's the music in the background that you hear, since we do get asked occasionally where it's uh, what it is. And uh, big love to our friends at Simpler Straps for letting us give away a camera strap each to our favourite email question of the week. Go to Simpler, S-I-M-P-L-R dot U-S if you'd like to hear those uh, here, if you'd like to see those straps and what they look like and see them in action. And uh, it's only a couple of weeks until um, we start to do the show's kind of a co-presented thing between here and Spain as well, which I'm looking forward to. Um, we can't say see you next week anymore, can we? Because I'm upset. No, because that, was it, was in it? my world now, that means yes. See, see, see. Of course it does. Yeah. See, <laughs> guy, you're you're practically fluent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome.